0: Welcome into to the Morning Burrito Podcast. I am Michael. I am Dan Mahon. My friend Dan is here with us today. I am super excited. I'm actually going to turn our volumes up here a little bit. Hold on one second. Can you hear better? Yeah, that's oh, great. That's, that's much better. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, are, uh, we are here today. We've been off for a couple weeks and... Uh, here on the on the podcast, and uh, really excited to have Dan with me today. Uh, before I introduce him and we we get to know him a little bit, uh, just wanted to let you know uh, Eric is still on sabbatical. We've got a few more weeks to go, and he'll be rejoining the podcast at that point. Um, it's been awesome to have different guests hosts throughout the summer um, who have helped uh, helped me with the show. Um, but uh, he is off fishing or. You know, doing water sports or something—I don't know—he's on his boat somewhere. <laughs> um, but I know he's—he's uh, he's been having a great sabbatical, and uh, he has not been working. I can say that. I'm pretty excited for him on that—that that he's actually doing sabbatical, which is good. Uh, you, as a pastor, know it's an important time, and—and uh, and he's going to come back refreshed and ready for another season of ministry, and. Um, we're really excited about that. So, uh, continue to pray for him over these next few weeks and his family as they finish up the sabbatical time. And, uh, I've been asking the question of our, of our people here, um, whether you're from our church or not, I've been asking this question, um, in this sabbatical time, what is God saying to you? What is God doing in your life? It's not just about what, what God's doing in Eric's life. It's about what God's doing in your life too. So, um, so we're going we're gonna to explore that in a few weeks. But uh, Dan, it's good to have you on the podcast, my friend. Um, if you want to just introduce yourself, let them know who you are and what you do and where you're from and so on yeah, and so forth.
1: Yeah, well, my name's, like I said, Dan Mahon. Uh, my wife and I are the co-pastors over at Oasis Vineyard here in Hermiston. We moved here uh, just a little over a year ago from Southern California, uh, where we were located for the last 23, 24 years. Uh, raising our, our two daughters, and um, just excited to be in this area with this town and this people and uh, really excited about what God's doing in our midst mm-hmm. and that uh, he is on the move here in Hermiston and amongst the churches and the collaboration and just excited to get to know um, you, Michael and Eric and so many of the other pastors in town and uh, we're just we're just glad to be here.
0: Yeah, it's been great to get to know you. Uh, you guys showed up not long before uh, City Fest, yeah. and uh, that was the first time I got to meet you. And we talked about that on the podcast, the City Fest uh, event. And um, you know, this is not a podcast just for our Hermiston peeps, but there are a lot of Hermiston peeps who are listening to this podcast or watching us, and uh, it's just good. We. You and I, uh, along with a couple other pastors, we've 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 grown pretty close to each other and have done things together and served together. I've served with your wife, yeah. um for uh, baccalaureate this year, and uh, we we are just really excited to be in a town as well that. Um, we can collaborate. it's not about our kingdoms it's about God's kingdom and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's been really cool. so um, so today uh, before we go into our little you know transition period, um, we are we are tackling probably the hardest subject and this is kind of funny that I, I'm doing this without Eric, but we're, we're gonna tackle probably one of the hardest subjects we've tackled on the podcast um, because I've seen it on our world we have mass shootings we have just things that are happening that um, raise the question of what is the nature of evil. And there, mm. there, I think many people would say there is evil in the world. And I think there are other people that say they don't believe in evil, that, the, that it's just just humanity being humanity. Um, and so we're going to try and tackle some of that today and talk about the nature of evil. Where does it come from? Why does evil exist? Um, how is God involved, in, if at all, in evil? Mm. And uh, what Uh, us as Christians, our response should be um, to evil and its presence and if it exists. And so uh, we're going to try and tackle this. Stick with us and uh, comment below um, if you have some thoughts, and uh, we're really excited to take on this subject. So stick with us. The Morning Brito Podcast will be right back. All right, we're back. So, uh, Dan, typically when we do these deeper dives, deeper topics um, on the podcast, uh, we like to define terms that way so our listeners can kind of understand what we're talking about and it gives us kind of a you know compass, so to speak, for the conversation. Sure. Uh, so... First of all, God is is the man in the sky. Some have defined him as the spaghetti monster. Uh, you know, uh, God is the chief, uh, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Um, I, I like to say just one name. It's the name above all names, as Philippians says, Jesus. Hmm. That's God right there, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the final name of or, God. Or as the Israelites said, Yahweh. Or Yahweh. Yahweh. Actually, with our students as a whole side, I'm really excited. Starting next Wednesday... Uh, So a week from today, uh, we are actually going to be doing a, uh, starting a series that's seven weeks long called The Names of God Mm. um, with my students in our student ministry, and I'm really excited. We're going to talk about Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah uh, Rohi, Jehovah Nisi. It's going to be, and we're ending with Jesus because it's the name above all names. So Uh, so anyway, uh, one of the words, uh, terms that we're going to use today probably quite a bit um, is moral evil. And so just to define for you what we're saying when we say moral evil, we're, we're talking about uh, what the Christian church would define as sin, active sin, um, sins that we choose to do or sin, sin when we sin, when we're not doing something we're supposed to do. Hmm. So it, it's a it's a choice. It's something that we are choosing as huma- humans hmm. to do hmm. or not to do. Um, but then we're going to also talk about natural evil. And natural evil is probably going to be the... We're going to talk about that quite a bit, I think, in our conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, I think, where most of the trouble comes in for culture and for the world versus Christianity. Um, It's like famines, floods, Mm -hmm. natural disasters, epidemics, you know, those sorts of things. Pandemics um, are, are what we would consider natural evil. Mm hmm. Um, and I think we can break those down even further um, into physical or metaphysical, basically saying it affects you physically. It's part of you know something you f- you f- feel that happens to you uh, versus something that you know just kind of bad luck <laughs> essentially happens in your in your life. So um, so that's where we're gonna kind of go with uh, this conversation. So let's let's get right down to the basics, Dan. What is evil uh, to you? As a pastor who's been a pastor a long time, how does the Bible define evil for us?
1: That's a great question, and Michael, it's just an honor to be on here today with you, and, and thanks for the opportunity and the invite. Um, certainly not a light topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, as I, I saw I, your text this I, morning,
0: <laughs> I did I did spring this one on him for the show today, and yeah. you know we we. <laughs> We tend to, you know, for these Wednesday shows, um, you know, Wednesday at noon, always, um, or you can always watch it after the fact. Um, But, uh, you know, we we do these shows and sometimes like I've been thinking about this, thinking about this, and I've asked a few people about today's show and uh, it just didn't work out um, having some people on the show. And um, I was like, man, I haven't asked Dan to be on the show (laughs) this is a really tough topic. Well, the worst he can say is no, but he was like, yeah, let's do that. So thank you for being on the show and coming for such a heavy weighty topic.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm by no means an expert in this, but you know, I I think our dialogue helps us learn Mm. and that's my posture, right? Is that we want to be learners of scripture. Uh, When I, when I think about this scripturally, I don't know that we see a definition of evil But I think like so many things in the Bible, what we see is a representation pictorially. Mm. And so when we see evil being introduced at the very beginning in Genesis, in the very beginning creation stories, we see these um, forces that lead to separation from God. And I think we see that evil is this idea of exile it is this idea of death. It is the idea of something that causes us to be separated from God and to not experience the contrast of that, which is good, life, living, flourishing. And so there's this painting of, of contrast that we see early in Genesis 1 and 2, of, um, particularly in the garden, right? Um, that which is good is, is life-giving, the tree of life, that which is is bad is separation and exile and death and and so um even as you were talking earlier about the moral evil versus the natural evil i i was just this morning looking at a little bit of some of the the hebrew words Mm. and the hebrew word for famine is based off of the root word for evil Mm. And it's because it's the idea of experiencing something less than the fullness of the life of God yeah right and so like thinking about how they understood that um, semantically uh, linguistically culturally um, I think helps to give us a picture when we think about what is evil uh, it's the things that we look around and, and it's the pain it's the suffering it's the separation from relationship with one another and with the
0: Lord. So when we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 particularly um it, it's really important I think it, w- as we have this conversation and we talk about evil because I think most people look around and they see evil things happen. I mean even here in our own local mm. I mean semi-local like to us I guess um just a few days ago in Bend Oregon. Yeah. Um gunmen opened fire at a Safeway res- uh, uh, grocery store and two people lost their lives, two others injured. And we look at things like this and we're like, man, what is, what is going on? Like, where, where is God in this? Where, where is, I think that those are good questions. I mean, those are, those are valid questions to ask. Um, but I think it's important to note that in Genesis one in chapter, in chapter two, one chapters one and two, um, it is very clear that God's intention for his creation, and that includes us, um, was for perfection, um, was for it to be good. He uses that phrase a lot. Uh, in fact, the only time that God says something is not good is when Adam is alone and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. creates the animals to try and be his comp- companion and it wasn't good enough. And <laughs> so he creates Eve to be his companion and, and, Again, that was really good. It was good for God. God looked at that as a good thing. Um, and we were talking in our pre-show uh, meeting that th- there were so many yeses that Adam and Eve at the beginning had so many things that God told them they could do. Mm-hmm. And they only had one, one thing that they were not supposed to do, mm-hmm. and that was eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Um and interestingly, when the, the, serpent is, the serpent is present in the garden when all is good, right? So everything's good, but yet the serpent is present in the midst of good. And the serpent is not good. The serpent is a tempter. The serpent is a deceiver, mm-hmm. manipulator. Um, we see that in his interaction with Eve, right? Mm-hmm. How is it that the serpent is present in a place that's good? because yeah, so, that's our first vision of evil, right? I yeah, mean, very early in the Bible.
1: So, w- one of the things that I've kind of come to think about this distinction between good and perfection is um, that I, I don't. I think the, the the Lord said it was good in the sense that it was functioning. So John Walton talks about this a lot in his. Books uh, helping us get back to the cultural context. Uh, some of our language and propensity has been to assume that the garden was perfect, and it doesn't actually say that the garden was a perfect place. Hmm. It says that it was good and functioning, and that Adam and Eve were given a responsibility. They were actually given a responsibility of stewardship to help the garden flourish even more. So if it was perfect then that role of helping it to flourish wouldn't have made sense, right? <laughs> so it's not assuming, it, I mean, it's not stating there that there were, <laughs> you know, that the serpent was, was bad and that evil was intentionally put there, but what it is assuming is that there was things that were functioning, but they were given a task to cause it to come about. And then the picture of the serpent being there is that, as you said, there were these choices. There were ways of going about it, of how to be better stewards, and our, our decisions in our relationship with the Lord impact our ability to do the things that we're called to do.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh, uh, so uh, the only thing I would push back on with that author is that I I think that's contradictory to our nature of God because God says that he was walking with them in the garden, right? God was present in the garden with them um, physically. <laughs> like He's a spiritual being, but he mm. was physically there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can god can't light can't live with darkness is what we see in the in the scripture um, that that th- th- uh, phrase is used often in the scripture uh, light can't persist with darkness goodness can't persist with evil so on and so forth um, so i would i would i would perfection may be a strong word i don't know uh, i haven't done enough research to know that but i would say that you know god is present in the place and then they get kicked out of said place because they break his rules um and so better than anything we've ever experienced for sure i as close to heaven as it could possibly be i would, I would argue yeah. um but nevertheless the serpent is still present right the serpent serpent is still there um and he is deceiving he is he is there to um, – to his purpose for himself is to deceive Eve and get Eve to do something that she wouldn't have otherwise done, right? Um, we also don't know – and this is an interesting tidbit and an interesting nugget for you guys. Um, there's nowhere in the creation story, particularly the story of Eve, where it says how she found out the rules that God laid out, because God lays out those rules for Adam. For Adam, yeah. He he never says anything to Eve, at least not what we see in, recorded in Scripture. And so we don't know if that was Adam's fault. Like, did Adam right. not communicate to his wife? Um, she clearly knew at least some of what was going on, because the, the serpent uses that against her, um, Oh, you know, God's lying to you, you know, you're going to, you're going to be just like God if you eat this fruit. Like it's, it's, it's not bad for you. Like you're going to be awakened, you know? Um, but here's the thing. So, so, so they, they choose to, to sin, to disobey God. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Christian perspective on, as we've talked about natural evil, why do, why did, why is the world a broken place? Like why do just bad things happen? Um, the, the, the answer to that for from the Judeo Christian perspective would be sin was brought into this world by Adam and Eve, that it did not exist here until they broke God's commands. Um, and they, by doing that, they literally broke creation itself. Like the, the world, the, the earth, the creation that God had made, was now broken because they brought sin and that separation, as you were talking about before, they brought separation from God into creation. Is that is that a fair way to describe it?
1: I, I think it covers a lot of, of the aspects of it. Um, I, I think about Romans 8 in this regard, where it talks about all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be brought into their fullness. I'm not, I'm not getting the exact... Uh, remembrance of the exact wording but it's it's that's the gist of it right is Mm. that the land that the animals that the creation is waiting for us to be brought back into our redeemed state into our fullness and that goes back to our purpose our purpose was to steward over the land over the animals and when that was broken the way that we relate to it affects the land yeah adam um the 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 response of God to Adam was the sense that the land ended up being cursed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go on and we see in the story of, of Cain and, and Cain's rebellion and continuing on in the acts of his family <laughs> heritage. Right. And it's again, this relationship between him and the land. We, we look at the, the Noah story and the land is impacted, right? The, the created order is decreated because of the human failing and so I think there is that reality that there is, is an impact upon the world that we live in because of our choices. Mm-hmm. And, and th- you know, so that, that, that covers a, a lot of it. I mean, you know, we do see in Genesis 1 that the sea existed mm-hmm. in the created order, which they understood to be kind of this sense of chaos, of <laughs> a disorder and, and struggle. And so there's, there's kind of a little bit of both end there um but definitely our actions as humanity and the roles we were given plays a huge impact in the world that we live in.
0: Yeah and there i it's very clear in scripture particularly in Genesis 3 it there it is very clear that our sin as human beings creates a downward spiral impact mm-hmm. to the rest of creation. Yeah. Um and and you don't have to agree with that. I mean we always stipulate that on the show but Go back to the scripture. I mean, it's it's very clear in Genesis 3. Um, th- as you said, you you kind of alluded to this. God, God says that because Adam sinned, the ground is cursed, and that he's going to have hard days' labor, basically, because every day for the rest of his life, because he chose to sin, because he chose to disobey God. But the question then that... Um, if you if you find yourself today watching or listening to the podcast and you are a non you're not a believer you don't believe in this whole Jesus thing or God thing, um, you you would call yourself an atheist or maybe an agnostic. One of the questions that I hear often is, so so get, let me get this straight: Did God create evil? Uh, did God does God cause evil to happen? Is God a murderer? Because you know you brought up Noah and. The whole, the whole planet basically is, is mm. wiped off as mm. far as creation is concerned. Um, you know why does God allow these bad things to happen? I mean, those are the, just the cascade of questions mm-hmm. that tend to come. Uh, so, so let's try and unpack some of this. Let's answer the first question: Does God or did God does God create evil?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that He doesn't create evil. I would say that he created a world that um, has uh, freedom and agency for the created humans. And and we talked about this a little bit earlier with even the angels, mm-hmm. right? So the spiritual beings as well as the human beings are created with a freedom to be able to choose uh, God <laughs> or to choose contrary to god
0: yeah i think I, I think there's some misunderstanding in culture specifically about where you know evil beings quote unquote come from you know we, talk, we there's movies about exorcisms and and demons and all of this stuff um there's certainly been lots of tv shows and movies about lucifer satan whatever you want to call him um I think there's a misunderstanding in culture that that he's actually an angel and so are the rest of them like they're 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 created beings by God um, however the Satan and his demons however you want to define them yeah um, they are they are angels that were actually capable of choosing to reject God yeah and th- you have to remember that if you're a Christian in, or if you're we're t- taking the stance that God exists and that a hev- place where God lives, heaven exists. These angels lived in that place, which would be perfection, right? I mean, that's that's perfection by any definition yeah. that we could come up with. And yet, they were still given freedom and agency to choose whether to accept God or reject God, and they had they had it perfect. Like, but it says in Scripture, when, at least according to s- Satan himself. Is that he he wanted to be God essentially? That he wanted to be, have that power. Ironically, he can't have that power, but <laughs> he's he's a created being just like we are. Yeah. Um. But that's why he was cast out, and the third of angels that followed him left heaven as well.
1: Um, uh, and Michael, something you said earlier strikes me in that is the temptation that the snake brings to the woman mm-hmm. is that she's not enough mm. and that if she just does this one thing that she will be enough ironically i think it's the same temptation that the that satan faced himself mhm yeah right that's what that's what you're saying is that it wasn't enough for him to be a created being he wanted to be the the creator he wanted to be the one that was in in Maybe we use language here around things like power, things like control, things like um, having it all. Right. Yeah. And um,
0: it wasn't enough for him. It,
1: it wasn't enough for him. And I, I think, uh, again, talking like pictorially, where I go with this is I, I, I love uh, uh, J.R. Tolkien's works. And I think of uh, Morgoth uh, uh, again, this is a little geeky, a little nerdy, <laughs> Cimmerillian, Like, I'm super excited this weekend that the the Rings of Power are coming out, the the new series. But um, you could talk about Sauron, who was Morgoth's assistant, but he he was the a created being as well. Just so Tolkien kind of takes the same image, and it wasn't enough for him to be part of the order. And to bring his gifts to the picture, he wanted to control everybody else mm-hmm. and everything else, and in doing so, he distorts everybody else's gifts, everybody else's participation, and it seems like that's the picture that, that Tolkien represents of of evil, yeah. and I think it's the same picture that we see in Scripture.
0: Yeah, and, and you, you, you touched on this, but it's not just that... Um it's not just that Satan was tempted in the same way that he tempted Eve. Um, he he was—he's described in the scripture. Satan is as being the most beautiful of all angels, which is ironic considering, like, they're probably all beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I, is there an ugly angel? I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's I mean, at least in Hollywood's perspective. <laughs> that would be a no. Uh, I guess unless you watch the movie Michael. Um. But uh, but he's described as being, you know, this beautiful angel and he's 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 up in on the realms. He's a seraphim, I believe. And so he's with Gabriel and Michael like the these are the ones that are talked about. I mean, big time. Right. And yet he chooses to reject it. And then ironically, again, he not only uses that same tactic with Eve, but Satan uses that same tactic with. Um, Jesus himself, yeah. when Jesus is tempted in the desert. Um, and that enough thing, you know, we talk about this show as a cultural show. It's about what the cult, where culture and, and faith collide. And I can tell you as a student ministry pastor, um, there is not one thing that is more devastating to our students and our young adults than thinking they're not enough. Um, mm-hmm. There is no more big cause of depression and anxiety and suicide and all of these things it's because kids don't think they're enough that they don't feel like they have value, and um, the reality is that we have a lot of value um, mm-hmm. when we when we ask the question, did God create or does God cause evil?" the answer is unequivocally no, God does not do that. Um, God didn't create Satan and the rest of the demons to be demons or to be evil he created them to be good and to be beautiful and to be wonderful and to, to be pray praising, you know, him like that's, that was their job is to, to do his, his will. Um, But then the question is why does God allow the evil things that happen in this world that are not moral evil? It's not me shooting you. It's just, you know, tornado comes and rips through a trailer park. You know, nobody caused that. No human being had anything to do with that. Why does God allow that to happen in his creation? And I think it comes back to the question or the, the statement we were making earlier. Our sin has a downstream effect to mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and we can't leave this discussion. I mean, we got about 15 minutes left on the show, but maybe it's too early to bring this up, but I'm going to give you the ending <laughs> right now. Um, God, God is going to right all wrongs. The scripture promises and, uh, you have your Bible out here. I love, I love seeing older Bibles like that, that are (laughs) kind of tattered and torn means they got some use. Um, but the Bible is very clear that in the end, God wins. (laughs) Ultimately God is the the victor. Mm -hmm. Um, Satan loses Mm -hmm. the demons lose, um, evil ultimately loses. Mm Um, it, it, in fact, it, it, this is kind of a, an interesting again tidbit or nugget for you. Hell doesn't even survive. Like hell do, hell doesn't exist forever. Hell gets thrown into the lake of fire is what Revelation says. And so like there's an end point for evil. Evil will disappear. Evil will be gone. And that's hope. That's hope for us. And if if you're struggling with hope today, if you don't feel like there's any hope in your life, I promise you there's hope. There is hope because Jesus is the overcomer. Jesus conquered death itself. He conquered evil mm-hmm. when he rose from the dead. Um, so that leads us to our, our sec. we have a couple more questions to, to tackle. What is God's response to evil, then? If he, if he doesn't cause it, if he isn't the one that's allowing it necessarily, what is God's response to evil? What was his response to evil, um, if he's already done it?
1: Yeah, his response is always justice. And the biblical context of justice is uh, restoration. And so that's like what he's always working towards. It's it's amazing, right? Like even Adam and Eve, they send in the garden. Um, Cain follows right after them, right? And in both cases, his response is this desire to as much as possible they suffer the consequences of sin and the consequences of evil and the separation and the exile that it brings from but his desire is to create a way towards restoration mm-hmm. and so everything that we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament and in the coming of Christ right as as you've said is Jesus coming is to bring the justice of God into the world to bring restoration for us to the Father and to experience that sense of life-giving, flourishing um, that He originally desired for us.
0: Yeah, and He, you know, God, God's, God has every ability to to end all things, right? So we have to stipulate from the very beginning: God is not only all powerful; He's not only all knowing; um, He's not even just ever present, although He is he's also all good, all good. Like he is, he is the nature of good. He is the originator of good, mm-hmm. um, the originator of love. Um, but God's response has always been to creation is to try and reconcile creation back to himself. Um, yeah. if you look at the scripture, I mean, we can pit, you know, cherry pick, well, you know, God in, with Noah, he, he destroys all of creation. He must be a mean, wrathful, evil God. No, you need to take that into context. God is trying to reconcile throughout the entirety of the Bible. He is—it is a story of God reconciling creation back to Himself, because that was His initial plan in the beginning. Was for us to be in relationship with Him, and to be connected directly to Him. Um, uh, can I just say one thing on that, Michael? Yeah, uh, you brought up the Noah story,
1: right? And uh, if you take a look in Noah chapter six, I think it's right around. Uh, verse 5 or 6, somewhere in there. Um, Genesis chapter 6. Sorry, Genesis chapter 6. We see that that God makes this judgment, this assessment of humanity where every inclination of their thoughts and their heart is wicked, is is evil. And what struck me as I was reflecting on that recently is that the impact of that, though, was that it caused God grief and pain, and so God Himself experiences the pain of evil that exists in the world. And sometimes, uh, in the midst of all the the amazingness of God and the goodness of God, we lose sight of the reality that God is experiencing the pain that we go through, and that His creation has gone through and is going through. And you know, another aspect of looking at that story there in in genesis is what god does is he lifts his hand and he allows their wickedness to uh, expedite on the earth and it brings about the um consequences of their evil Mm -hmm. and their evil as we said earlier impacts the very order and structure of the world yeah and brings this cleansing and this flood and out of the midst of that he brings his justice of his remnant and his new creation, and that's becomes a um, a pattern that we see throughout Scripture.
0: Yeah, and if we even fast forward into the New Testament and we look at the the life of Jesus, um, we we, <laughs> we we said this in pre-show. We we sometimes gloss over the fact that God, you know, through Jesus Christ, took on a physical beating, like he did. He took a, a serious physical beating and died what many experts I've read have said is the worst way to die. Like there is really nothing. You feel every human possible pain, physical Mm -hmm. pain that you can feel you feel in crucifixion. Um, But I think that's not, that's underselling what Jesus actually did. It wasn't just about the physical pain that Jesus took. Mm -hmm. Jesus took on the weight of our sin, our guilt, our shame, our hurt, our, our, um, um, metaphysical pains like he took all of that on himself when he went to the cross and no creator does that like yeah. I, I, so just to bring some levity to this conversation this, mor- this afternoon um, so I don't know if you've ever watched BattleBots but I love the TV show BattleBots so I, haven't seen I, I don't even remember what channel it like originates from <laughs> it might have been sci-fi I'm not sure but you know these these people who are much smarter than i uh they create these robots that do battle like they they create these robots to beat each other up and um uh, it's you know you have two or three robots in this ring and they they crash into each other and stuff and i i think about like they they may go and fix it they may scrap the whole thing at the end and you know if it's too damaged and just start from scratch that's not what God does. God continually tries to restore back to His original plan humanity. Yeah, um, which creators just don't do that. Like if I, I know a lot of artists who who are good good painters or um, you know draw drawers. I'm drawing draw. is that the right word? Drawers. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Anyway, those who Somebody, draw. somebody correct me on that. Um, but but I know people who will just say, "Oh, I don't like it." into the garbage can, mm-hmm. you know, and start mm-hmm. over. Um, but the fact that our God who is the best of all creators, the most creative of all creators, while he could just wipe the slate clean, cause he didn't do that with Noah, right. right? He didn't just wipe the slate clean and start over. He had faith enough in humanity that he believed that he could reconcile us back to himself. And he came down himself to finish the job of the reconciliation yeah. project. Yeah. Um, and that's God's response. I mean, ultimately, that's that's the simple part of it, is that God was willing to take the beating, take the, the weight of that on himself to the cross. He went to hell. He broke the gates of hell and has overcome death itself. Um, there are still skirmishes happening, and we see the, the, the unfortunate uh, truth of that Every single day in our world, number of kids that die in Chicago or Baltimore, um, from, you know, drive by shootings and all of these different things, we see the remnants of this playing out every day in our world. But the reality is that it's coming to an end. And, and that's, that's, that's what our response should be is hope that God has done so much to reconcile us and to, to help us to overcome evil in our own lives Um, That doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to us. There are bad things that are going to happen to you. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or not. Bad things are going to happen. I always hate the question when I get it. Why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to bad people, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, bad things happen to all of us, right? (laughs) Good things
0: happen to everybody. Bad (laughs) things happen to everybody. It's just part of life.
1: You know, along those lines... um, I think one of the important ideas uh, we 've been addressing like okay what 's god 's response um, I, n- I think another aspect is then what is our response and you said to to be a people of hope right to realize that the story um, has an ending that is is um, without evil, uh, but in the current in the present uh, the the historical and biblical perspective has been that God is looking for partners. Mm. Who will partner with him to restore his creation? Yep. That will partner with him to bring justice. And and we see up until Jesus the the ability of even the most anointed to not not be able to fully do that perfectly, right? Which is yeah. why why God <laughs> what, had to way come. less than perfectly in most cases. Right. Way less than perfectly. <laughs> these these heroes of our faith. And yet God took them where they were and he used them and he kept calling them back and he kept saying, You can do it. He didn't throw them out. Um, but Jesus gives us a new level of recognition and access yeah. and authority to be who we were created to be. And he's calling us to be partners. Um, and that's what that's what my wife and I and, and just get so excited about um, is that we get to participate in the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus to bring hope and reconciliation and justice to the world. And so whether, you know, uh, we have people in our our church who are teachers. They get to do that in the school districts with yep. families. You know, we have people who are farmers. They get to do that with their employees and the people that they work with. Right. Like wherever you are, whatever your job is, uh, even if you're retired. Oh, my goodness. You have lots of opportunities. You could go throughout the city and and help <laughs> yep. and and do that. And so he's looking for partners to um, really be in this warfare because we live in the time in between the times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, uh, you know, Jesus conquering uh, at the cross and the resurrection. That was D-Day, just like uh, in, in World War II. That was D-Day. The, the battle was won. It was over. It was already established. Right. But they still had to fight through to, to V-Day, to Victory Day, right, where, right. The, where it was completely over. And, and that's kind of the picture that we have. We're in that in-between time. But we know that God's on our side. He's with us. He has a plan. He's involved. And um, yeah, he is good.
0: Yeah. And and I think as we close out the show today, I I think the only thing I would add to what we've already said is that we as Christians, uh, Jesus gives us a very clear perspective of what our role is. He says, love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, with everything you are, basically. Like, give yourself over to me and follow me. But then the second thing is just as important: mm-hmm. love your neighbor as mm-hmm. yourself. And by doing these two things, um, you bring goodness into the world. You bring light into mm-hmm. the world. Um, mm-hmm. It says in the Bible over and over again that light does not exist with darkness; that you they they do not coexist well. Um, I, I <laughs> we did a project in our sanctuary just recently. And uh, so we have windows along the top of our mm-hmm. you know, round sanctuary. You've been in our sanctuary yeah, before. Yeah. And uh, those windows, man, Sunday morning, that heat, especially now in the summertime, like it beats through those windows. It's bad. It's hot and it's bright. And on the stage, like you get that sun right in your eyes. Um, so we, we took these panels, we d- took a foam insulation board and we painted them black, cut them in the shape of the, ho- the holes and we put them into the window wells to to kind of black out the windows so that we can not have that <laughs> so mm-hmm. we can actually cool our sanctuary and and not have it be so bright. Um, but here's the thing: like at night, it can be super dark outside. But any little sliver of light that just we didn't cut them quite right because it's just foam, you know. Like there's still little slivers you can see just the little deek deek yeah deek, little yeah. little de- deeks of light, the little little specks of light because light penetrates darkness and you have the capacity and the ability as a believer to, to be that light in the dark darkness. And while there is evil and I think we've fully established that evil exists, you actually have it in bold on your paper at the top. I love that. Um, (laughs) Yes. Evil exists. Um, Anyone who, who suggests the contrary, I think is, is deluding themselves and is very naive um, evil is real um, you know this guy who who shot up two two people down in bend um, he literally said in his manifesto I just read this morning mm. I am I he says something to the effect of like I am evil itself or something like that mm. Mm. Um, evil exists it is a real thing there are evil people and there are evil things that happen
1: mm-hmm.
0: however we can be people of hope and we can be the people who bring hope to others and that's what bringing God's justice, that's what being a believer is really supposed to be. And uh, and I believe, at least, um, I haven't lost hope in humanity. Yeah. I, I believe we still are capable of doing immeasurably more than we give ourselves credit for, um, especially those of us who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, because God says, uh, Jesus said, that we're going to do even more powerful things than He ever got to do. Um, through the Spirit. And through that's, the, Spirit, that's yep. the
1: reality Is is... Uh, as believers and as pastors, you know, I haven't lost hope in our God mm. and in Jesus and in the work of him. Because um, ultimately, if it's up to me, <laughs> I'm going to be like those other guys and, and mess up. But, but God uh, comes and, and he's the one that empowers us. And I, I love what you said there. I think that's that picture about light and darkness that is so important is that they, they don't coexist well together. But what is interesting is the picture, even as we're here in the studio, right, is the the lights that are on us, they're driving out the darkness. Yep. And when Jesus came, he chose God, chose the Holy One, the perfect one. He came and chose to put himself into the darkness, into the world. And yet in the midst of doing that, he was surrounded by it, but it drove out the darkness and that's that picture that he's in us. Right. And as we allow his spirit in us, it permeates, it radiates out and drives out the darkness in the places where we are in such such a beautiful sense of hope and um, glory that we have.
0: I have to share one more thing. You just you just made me think of it. So just one more illustration for you that I think is good. I don't mean to sermonize, but <laughs> I'm sermonizing. That's OK. Um You know, our eyes, God created our eyes to adjust to light, right? So, or lack thereof. Um, And what I find interesting, I'm not saying that there's not a case where you cannot literally see in front of you. It's so dark that you cannot see things. But if there is any light present within the room, your eyes will use that light, physically use that light so that you can see the room um, or at least see to a certain extent. Um, it's, It's an amazing thing that just a little bit of light makes a serious difference that our eyes can actually see when light is present. And so you can be the one that allows people to see, even if they're in a really, if you imagine they're in the really dark room and you're the one bringing the light, they will see. They will see the light. They'll be drawn to it. They may not know why. They may not know what that means. They may it may not even be profound to them. But they will see the light. And so, uh, be that light. Um, we can encourage you in that today. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you again, Dan, for yeah. being on the podcast today. Thank you, Michael. Um, it is it has been a great honor, and uh, we'll have to do this again um, in Look the future. But, uh, thank you for being with us today on the morning radio podcast. We don't always do this deep, (laughs) this heavy, uh, of topics, but man, I just felt like this is where God wanted us to go. And, uh, I think it's really, it's an important question and it's, I don't know that we answered everything for you today. I would guess not. Um, that would be hubris to assume we did. (laughs) That's right. Uh, but wrestle with this. And, and I, I can tell you this, God is not afraid of us wrestling with questions and, and, being willing to search out answers. Cause he says, if you seek me, you're going to find me. So, um, just continue to seek out him. And if you're struggling with any of these sorts of things we've talked about today, um, God, God will work you through it. I promise you that mm. he, he does that. He's, he's awesome. So, mm. all right, well, right, we'll see you next time on the morning burrito podcast next week at noon on Wednesday.